Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. And today we're talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield, developed by Nintendo and Game Freak. It was released for the Switch in 2019. And uh, I think we all have at least some history with this, one of the biggest and most expansive video game franchises in all of the world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, it's the number one media franchise in the world overall, which is crazy. I didn't realize that, but this is hugely expansive. It's been around since we were 10, which is, I think, where we all got our start with it. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I had it on Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and I played the card game, and I watched the show because I was a nerd, and I'm sure you guys all <laughs> did too. So it was exciting to see that they are continuing to make these, and I was excited to see that they're making like a full-fledged console version for switch i definitely wanted to check it out amen me too and uh you mentioned biggest media franchise that makes sense i wrote this number down but i didn't realize it was the biggest number i could have possibly written down for such a thing 95 billion dollar franchise crazily only 17 billion dollars of that is from the video games huh yeah they've got they've got all kinds of stuff yeah they they really do the rest is like you said anime movies pokemon go and most importantly merchandise merchandise yep. merchandise merchandise the cards you forgot about the cards man the trading got, card game i think i still got boxes of that in the basement yeah yeah your, your I, holographic charizard makes up about half of that for sure <laughs> i still have it it's literally in the basement i've got one right now well this is a franchise that definitely lends itself well to merchandising the original game whose motto is of course gotta catch them all also kind of translates to gotta buy them all if they got any pokemon figures for like the 150 you got to get them all that's the whole point of the thing right yeah and not only that but there's two versions of every game and you can't get everything without having them both they'll say that so you have a friend but ultimately we know a lot of people are buying every last version ultimately we all know that there's a lot of people without friends there (laughs) oh god was that just me no no (laughs) sadly no sixth grade was a it was a hard year, so was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's normal, right? Absolutely. I guess uh, it's worth bringing up, you know, how old were... I guess that was basically all of our age range when these games first came out in 96, yeah? Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember playing on the original Game Boy. I wasn't allowed to have it, so I brought it from a friend, and I was playing with the uh, the old Game Boy book light underneath the covers at night. Nice. Which was ridic- that thing killed batteries in like an hour and a half. <laughs> We were going through double A's like, like I should have owned stock in Duracell. Good God. <laughs> and, and this game really was like a phenomenon when it first came out. You know, Pokemon Red and Blue, as they were in the U.S., came out way back in 96, uh, created by Satoshi Jahiri and Ken Sugimori. Uh, they basically came out with that first one on the Game Boy way back in 96, and that kicked off the core series, which has been on Nintendo handhelds for every iteration up until now, when it got its first home console release on the switch which also happens to be a handheld now just as a bit of history lesson uh if i remember my extensive readings of nintendo power magazine uh the game came out a year later in the united states after it had already launched in japan and was a huge mega hit and not surprisingly it continued to do so over here yeah it's continued to escalate right with sort of getting higher production values and more um, 
you know, even though these weren't the most technically impressive games that have been released for any of their respective consoles, they did continue to improve their production values with Sword and Shield, the ones we're talking about today, being far and away the most complex, which still isn't saying a ton. But, you know, this game had a thousand people working on it at one point, and the team involved was about 50% bigger, as estimated by the developers, than previous entries. And they could, if they could have each just animated one fucking Pokemon, we could have had them all. <laughs> we'll get into this later. But that's a major problem with this game, and I think a sticking point a lot of us are going to have with it. But I digress. Like you said, we're, we'll get into all of that. For now, I think what we want to stick with is, you know, we're playing this because it's Pokemon. It's out on the latest... Um, console i haven't played one of these in several generations i don't know about you guys but the last one i think i played was the pearl and diamond editions which were at least a decade ago the last one i played was the original one pokemon red so i'll be coming at it with a fresh set of eyes or at least a different perspective yeah um brian i'm with you i think the last one i did was diamond and that it looks like came out in 2006 for ds so that's been that's been quite a while yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, what this one is bringing to the table that's fresh. I mean, they certainly did a lot of box checking here in terms of getting the typical formula. It's got eight gyms, three starter Pokemon, two legendaries, a rival, and a partridge and a pear tree. Um, you know, we're pretty much down to the standard formula, but they're bringing a new twist on it with the Galar region. Yeah, I guess slightly more open world. It's the first 3D iteration of this right i don't think they did well they, they kind of did with the let's go series so they but. did they did isometric 3d up to this point but the first fully 3d area the wild zone is in this game uh you yeah. know having played this game for a little while you'll get to a, an area where you can do the full 3d rotational camera uh look around see pokemon coming at you in real time a uh, big point of note there no random encounters it's now actually open world of pokemon you can see that was cool. I did actually like that because nothing's worse than running around a cave and getting stuck by the 50th fucking Geo dude. That's <laughs> <laughs> every 10 steps. You're... Or Zubat. Yeah. Fuck those guys. No, yeah. I really enjoyed the wild region too. Uh, I was kind of disappointed. I thought it would be a larger part of the game. Like this would be how you get around between different things. Um, I thought that, that was really cool, but also the kind of idea of more of an open world sort of Pokemon where you can get into areas you're not meant to be in yet, and you gotta kind of fight more diff- much more difficult Pokemon. Um, I thought that was a very nice touch. I totally agree with you on being able to sort of explore a little more, you know, sequence break a little bit, but they did hamstring themselves with that by not allowing you to catch Pokemon above your level in a very, very strict way in this game. For sure, if the combat was set up correctly, you wouldn't be able to capture those more difficult Pokemon anyway, or make it more extreme. Like, you know, you have to, like, weaken them up, make it more difficult to get, but don't just say, sorry, you you just can't. Or if you have a skilled player, you reward them by letting them do such a thing, right? If they're able to do right. this very difficult thing. Uh, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you two about this one. I feel like the game's combat system is not the most difficult of all combat systems. Um, but you could also think about it like, okay, you are a skilled par- player. You're able to whittle down some Geodude until he's, um, you know, he's 20 levels above you, but you're able to whittle him down and capture him. Now, how do you balance the rest of the game for difficulty? Well, in previous games, they did that by making them not obey you. 
Yeah, so oh. you, you you could catch them, but they just weren't going to listen to you until you reach a certain level, which I think is way more of a reasonable way of handling that. Yeah, that's personally. totally be reasonable. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, there's, like I said, this is classic Nintendo, you know, take two steps forward, one step back, and then poke yourself in the eye for no fucking reason. Um, <laughs> but let's get back to talking about the, the region a little bit, and, you know, Galar region is primarily inspired by Great Britain. I think everyone who plays this game for more than five minutes realizes that you're in the south, you're in Victorian countryside England and walking around with the blokes and whatever. I can't do accents. (laughs) I did really enjoy some of the um, some of the regional variants of Pokemon. I think probably one of my favorite Pokemon designs was um, uh, Weezing, the evolution of Coffin, and they gave him like a top hat and mutton chops it looked great. Sure, he looked like a giant bong. Yeah, just I saying. named him Coffefeller because he looked like a robber baron to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. The regional variations are fun. The towns are like nicely stylized to look like having the houses of parliament in them, or yeah. you know, weird Victorian architecture, or gigantic football stadiums, uh, which coincidentally let you do really outsized battles that involve a new mechanic called gigantamaxing and dynamaxing, which is an interesting thing that they added to this game. Basically, increasing the size of your Pokemon by you know twenty times or so. I thought it was a cool thing in concept, but in practice, I didn't see it really affecting the tactical decisions you would make in battle. Um, It's, you know, it's cool to have like two giant Godzillas fight each other out over a stadium, but it, I felt like it didn't add a whole lot to the experience. How about you guys? No, I mean, you pretty much had to save it to the end. Otherwise it would screw you over because that's what they did every time they'd wait till They'd wait till the end, and then they'd pull it out, and then if, if you use yours early, well, you're screwed. Yeah, because you had a three-turn limit on each time you used it. Yeah, I agree. In terms of affecting the metagame of Pokemon at all, it's pretty much a non-starter, hence why it's actually disincluded in the current competitive meta. But in terms of visual spectacle, I think it was a way for them to show off the graphical capabilities of the Switch in at least one way, You know, even though they neglected doing it in a host of other ways this was one way in which they did it yeah and then you can find those guys in in like uh the wild area too with like almost like a a multiplayer raid type of situation which was a cool idea like instead of finding a normal pokemon you find this insanely large one and then you can have up to i think three other players help you take it down basically so that was kind of that was kind of interesting but yeah and they even made it interesting it in a way that it tied into the backstory with the darkest day, this sort of old world cataclysm that occurred, uh, which allowed two heroes to, you know, uh, defeat that gigantic Pokemon and restore balance. Uh, and, you know, they became the rulers of the land uh, through the next era of peace. And Wow. You listen to the story. I don't think anybody else did. <laughs> listen, it's, man, the stories of these games is so simple. You could write it on the back of a postage stamp. <laughs> yeah, get eight badges, be the best that ever was. That's it. And then now you can cue the song. I want to be the very best Like no one ever was To catch them is my real test To train them is my cause I do actually have four bullet points about the points they really don't want you to forget about the plot. Hop is okay. going to be the next champion. You were endorsed by the current champion. Leon is bad with directions, and Leon has a Charizard. 
<laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> that, that, that was probably their notes when they put the whole story together. Like, this is it. This is the whole outline. What do we do with the rest? I don't know. Catch them all? Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> Bummer. Now, I feel that it wasn't just that the story was a simple story. Uh, it was kind of clumsy the way they executed it. Like, you'd walk up to a townsperson, and he's like, Oh, such as there's uh, there's eight gems throughout the Galar region. Also, there was this darkest day thing that happened 3,000 years ago, but I don't really know if that's related or not. <laughs> also, I don't know you, and why are you telling me any of this? <laughs> Stranger danger! God damn, get away from me! It does really have classic, like, JRPG townsfolk bad text, and yeah, boy, like, at playing this right after Disco Elysium just really kind of makes you want to gouge your eyes out every time an NPC talks. <laughs> And they force you into so much talking, too. That's the other annoying part. Like, I felt like I couldn't, especially towards the beginning. God, like, we're talking about games that don't hold your hand. This game just holds your hand and never freaking stops. It's just like every 10 seconds, someone is telling you a random thing about something you don't care about, and they won't let it go. Totally agree. But, you know, every Pokemon is someone's first Pokemon. And, like, yeah. this is a franchise that can't afford not to onboard the next generation of gamers. Like, that's their lifeblood. It's a game for children. <laughs> and here we are the 30 year old men playing it any complaints yeah, about the plot have to be taken through that sort of lens too that you know this is ultimately for children mm -hmm. yeah and there's nothing wrong with a nice children's bedtime story but um, you know don't go here looking for super in-depth twists and turns no 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 uh, things you might be able to look for some twists and turns in are the combat system in this game. Um, while it does stick to a fairly traditional formula, they've added some nuance here that isn't in previous games, and they've kept some of the complexity in terms of being able to train up Pokemon and, uh, you know, affect the way their stats come out in a variety of different ways to create sort of a competitive team. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it is a very as it was before, type-based sort of thing. You know, you start off with your three starter Pokemon are fire, or water, or grass. Each one of those is strong against one of the others and weak to the other one. Um, and that's part of the reason I think that the combat is a little more simplistic. Uh, a lot of the challenge in the game comes from seeing what type of Pokemon the opponent's about to send out, trying to remember what type or types they are, and then picking out the suitable counter from your roster of six Pokemon. It's kind of like you're going to, you know, you're going to fight the gym leader and you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you know he's the paper gym leader. So what's he going to do? Get your scissors out. And, and the, the good news is I think this game made that even simpler. Like you can see flat out when you're selecting a move. Is this, a, is this an effective move? Is, is it very effective? Is it not going to be effective at all? And it kind of spells all that out for you. It is nice that they put that right on the screen because I, you know, I have a pretty good memory, but I don't have a good enough memory to remember a, you know, 15 by 15 grid of <laughs> weaknesses and strengths at all times. I mean, a lot of them are common sense, but some of them like, oh, a dragon always beats a, or a fairy always beats a dragon, like seems a little, I don't know, weird. I was good with the first 15 by 15 grid because I studied that so hard when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, but with the new types, I think it's steel, dragon, and, oh no, steel, fairy, and what else was Dark. There? Dark. Um, which they included because Psychic used to be so OP back in the day. Um, I remember, I couldn't remember what worked well against those guys so well. Seemingly adding this extra three uh, items to the the Matrix just sort of completely screwed my brain over as well. So, oh well, what can we do? <laughs> 
One of the funnest things about the combat system is sort of seeing your Pokemon grow and eventually evolve. Uh, they'll turn into sort of the bigger, scarier versions of their previous form. Generally scarier, sometimes just cuter. Um, but that's sort of, I think, the key thing that makes this game fun. It's like a deck builder where your deck of cards is uh, also a fun little dog or a little rodent creature. So while we're talking about that, let's talk about what did you guys start with? I think we all started with different guys. I started with Sobble. Grookey. I was the bunny, flame bunny. Cool. So we did get all of them. Wow. So, Sobble, so, really? Come on, Clint. Well, it was the it was the only one that was left, and I, I got to be honest. This guys, this is this is a huge problem for me with this game. Like, I now granted, I'm looking at this through rose-colored lenses, but the old Pokemon were cool, man. Like, <laughs> Squirtle kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah, Squ Squirtle was dumb, but he turned into ended up turning into Blastoise, right? You know, a giant freaking dinosaur turtle with water cannons on his back. This fucking thing is... I don't know. He's Sobble a, turns this, into a registered pedophile. Yeah, he's an emo <laughs> salamander. Who the fuck wants that? Like, Hang on, these I've were actually so... never seen him. I'm going to look up a picture right now. Oh, God. It was just so dumb, like, dumb and uninspired. I feel like they didn't even try with, with these new ones, and I was so disappointed. I think you're, you're definitely hitting on something here, is that some of the new designs are a lot less inspired in recent generations than the original and earlier generations. You know, you can only get through several hundred of these things so easily before you start grasping at things that maybe shouldn't have ever been turned into Pokemon. Right, and I think they should have... So they spent so much time making this, you know, fleshing out the battle systems, making it a 3D space, doing open world stuff, and then they totally missed the whole reason people play these games, and it's because they want to catch the Pokemon, they want to train the Pokemon, because the Pokemon are cool. Well, these Pokemon sucked. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to disagree with you here. I think a lot of the designs in this game are still pretty good. Like... You know, the, the starters, I think, fell a little flat. And to be perfectly honest, I think this is because they've tried or they've done the same fire, water, grass trio for the last eight generations. You can only do that trio in so many different ways until you're starting to reach a little bit, like I was saying before. Um, I think something they could do to really freshen this up would be to switch up that initial trio into a different rock paper scissors trio that's present within that uh you know 18 by 18 grid we were talking about yeah because the the emo salamander and drumming monkey just really isn't cutting it the anymore. drumming monkey kicks ass and i don't want to hear your he, your sass sadly he was probably the coolest one for sure <laughs> he's definitely the coolest one and uh you were all very uh sad I, I about my for letting yeah. me be that yeah thank you guys for letting me pick the cool one i picked last if you couldn't tell guys <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to do it yeah, so, you know, even regardless of whether we all have evolutions of our favorite or our starter Pokemon that we liked, the nice thing about Pokemon is even if your starter Pokemon's a total loser like Sobble, you can go out and catch some new ones. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I ended up catching, like, uh, I think in the range of, like, 130 by the time I finished the game just because I was a little, like, I'm in a new area. I'm going to try and catch every new thing I see. Yeah, that's the fun part about the game. You see the new things. And... Like the evolution too, you know. The uh, want to uh, circle back for that for a moment. I think one of the good, really good design touches they did with this game were the uh, poking jobs, where you would send off your Pokemon to be out of your party for a day, and they come back with a boatload of experience, which makes it easier to level them up because you don't got to take them all through combat. They'll kind of almost level themselves. 
But I think that was really good, too, because it prevented me from having, like, my six heavy hitters that are always in my party, and I just use them all the time. Uh, I used different teams, different Pokemons, and the game was more challenging for that. Yeah, you could send that Magikarp off to do some work, so he finally turns into a Gyarados. Amen. And I did that. Uh, My Gyarados was a workhorse of my team this entire game. Like, if you want to make this game super easy, you know, XP share is on from the start. So I just had a Magikarp sitting in my thing until, or in my team until it evolved. And then I taught that bad boy Ice Fang and had something that got me through like three gyms in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. An oldie, but a goodie. See, my point exactly. Gyarados is one of the original 150 and he, sorry, 151. And, and he is, he was one of the coolest, coolest ones out there. Like every single one I remember fondly. and And we talked about this. I played, we played the first four generations. I think almost every single cool one came out of the first two or three. Well, I think, I want to take a quick aside here because we'd all be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that a lot of our feelings about this series and the way we're taking in this game is tied up in nostalgia, right? I mean, it's going to be something that's, I think we've, we need to talk about that more at length, but, you know, we uh, did actually grow up in the sweet spot for Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was a thing that came up right as we were in the age to feel it the hardest, and, you know... That we can connect with this game at all as 30-somethings is a feat in itself, but I don't think, as we said before, we can come to it with the same fervor as we did when we were kids. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, but it's not that powerful. That's true. That's true. You know, we aren't able to devote the same hours into video games that we used to. We probably still do, but it's not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. But now it's Call of Duty and not Pokemon. But yeah, I could have used an extra couple CCs of nostalgia on this game for sure. That would have been my, <laughs> my, uh, my experience. Did your CCs of nostalgia have specific names that you were sad they didn't get included in the game? Yeah, there's about 150 of them. And... Uh, <laughs> No, that's a that's a good point. And, you know, some of the things in this game, like they improved and built upon and made a lot more appealing to a modern gamer. You know, they've streamlined certain things. But I think the one type gym trainer and uh, world trainer motif has got to go. Like if you meet another Pokemon trainer and he's only got one type, that is your signal to pull out your type that will beat this and just tap a tap a tap a A until they're dead. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's unfortunate. Like, I really do think, like, this 18 by 18 grid thing, guys, like, I know we're, we're talking about kids here, but kids are smart these days. I know they'll figure it out if you throw a two-type trainer in there. Uh, let's <laughs> yes. let's give some people some credit and maybe make some of the gyms or battles a little more thematically, I don't know, uh, resonant and challenging than just, this is the fire gym. Bring your best water, dude. Mm-hmm. This was more challenging than any other game in the series I've ever played, by far. I think, anyway. I can't. I can't remember having more of a. I mean, it never gets super deep, but I do remember. Like even in the first gym, I had a couple things that were a challenge, and I thought, "Oh wow, I don't think I remember being challenged until like the end of the game." Usually, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's true. And like bringing that one right. Uh, key to the table is is never more necessary in this game but that doesn't make it interesting right like it doesn't just because you like they're making the challenge more difficult to surmount it doesn't make the fact that 
it's a nail and you still just got to bring your hammer. They did change some other things too. So I think before, um, you know, you'd walk into a gym, it was pretty uninspiring. You'd battle a couple guys, then you battle the main guy and then you walk away. They treat it in, in, in this game. They treat it like it's a, it's a, it's a major event. Like mm-hmm. it's like a major sports match. You feel like, I mean, you, you feel like a competitor. You, you feel like a sports star every time you walk in there. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, they, they, they totally changed it. I like that, and I like the fact that they built in a little puzzle before each one too. Yeah, there like was a, a mini game or something, sheep mm-hmm. bowling and all that. Yeah, or like the the catch the Pokemon contest that there was in the one gym. Like you had to catch the Pokemon before the other person in the the battle did, or something like that. Uh, there were some neat ideas here. I think like the type the one type gym thing is still just like a non starter for me because it's such a one-dimensional challenge in terms of the combat like there was kernels of good ideas here in fact whole good ideas they just paired it with one singularly shitty idea Uh, one of the things i noticed in this game and i know it is a kid's game but I feel this is because it's a kid's game that they did this. There was a lot of kind of, I'm going to call it apology for the Pokemon world. Where, like, <laughs> I rem- you know, this might be me looking back at the past with rose-colored glasses. But I remember Gary, your rival from the first one. Absolute asshole. He's ready th- to be there to kick you while he's down. And your rival's your best friend in this game. And he's like, I just want to battle you all the time. Um. Yeah, let's get better together. Your old guy was just like, fuck you. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It, it was a big, like, it was a big, like, 90s hard-ass best friend versus uh, millennial uh, soft boy best friend. And, and it's yeah. not just, like, the how the rival story is different, too, but, you know, when you're talking to the townspeople all over the place, they're like, did you know that Pokemon actually love to be stored in Pokeballs for long distances <laughs> of time? <laughs> oh, they like nothing better than to battle to each other to the death. It's so invigorating for them. And I, I feel like if this wasn't a um, wasn't a kids game or wasn't such a children's series, they wouldn't feel so defensive about that. Yeah, we swear to God, it's not dog fighting, guys. Please, 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 <laughs> don't take our ninety-five billion dollar franchise. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it's true. It's a little like uh, dissonant for sure. But hey. Uh, you know, you got to justify what you got to justify to make 95 bill. There's a lot of things that they do to the formula of this game to make it a little more palatable to the modern gamer in terms of not having to run back and forth. We already talked about random encounters uh, being basically a, a thing of the past. Everyone's out in the open. I do also like that they load you up with Pokeballs like hell right off the bat. Basically oh, yeah. give you like 30 of them. I'm Very not here cool. to grind. I'm here to catch them. Yeah, and the other cool thing is they had people out in the wild that would heal all your guys for you. Like, uh, what, what do they call it? The the little like uh, hospitals. rangers. Yeah, the, there's yeah, like yeah. Pokemon nurses out in the wild. Shout out to nurses. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- that helped a ton. It made it just less annoying. You don't have to go back through all the same stuff to get further along. Or the whole camping system where you could do an emergency heal and revive at the cost of five minutes of your time. And that also lets you sort of interact with the Pokemon in sort of a, a Nintendogs-like fashion, which, you know, actually apparently had mechanical benefits within the game as well that I completely neglected. 
Um, but there was even the system of the Pokemon Box Link, which was the most exciting thing to me, which meant I could basically have a party of infinite number of Pokemon at any given time because you can swap them out anywhere and everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I forgot that that wasn't a thing in the old one. That was really nice. They basically eliminated the need for you to ever, you know, run back to a Poke Center to change things out or to heal or those kind of things. Major improvement, in my opinion, but... Yep. Uh, I'm going to just pepper in a few more quick ones here. There was no HMs, which meant you didn't have to waste a move on having a lock and key system for the Pokemon overworld. Big thumbs Mm -hmm. up. Uh, The move rememberer basically means if you caught a Pokemon too late and they had already learned and forgotten a move that you wanted them to have, you can get it back for no cost at all. Hence my Ice Fang Gyarados that I mentioned earlier. And Mm -hmm. three, clothing. What'd you dress your guy in? This was fun. I stayed in the standard. I, I kept him in whatever he was wearing at the beginning. You square. My guy was in a fucking white leather jacket, shades, and a bucket hat by the end of this thing, and he looked fly as hell. <laughs> nice. I did think that was a fun way to spend the huge amounts of money that you got in the game. Be like, oh, here's a new t-shirt. Let me get that out. Yeah, I looked like some weird 90s Euro pop star, and I felt great about it. <laughs> And I look like a dickhead, evidently. Whatever. <laughs> it goes well with your Sobo Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking We're sobo. all very sad over here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, clearly there's some quality of life improvements here that, like, made this game fun for me, even a person who's revisiting and maybe not jiving with the overly simplistic story and combat. And then, of course, the exit of you know, roughly 50% of the Pokemon that have ever been invented from the the ability to appear in the game. See, for me, that was less of a thing because the first game I played had 151. The second game had something like 400 in it. To me, that seemed like enough Pokemon. I didn't have lasting emotional connections to ones from before that I was really hoping to see again. See, I would agree with that to some point. So I was looking at a chart here earlier. Me and Brian were both taking a look at this because there's so many at this point. I think at the creation of Sword and Shield, there are over 896 of them now. And I agree that I'm not going to get super nostalgic about ones from, you know, the middle somewhere. But I got to say, you have to include the original 151. Everybody knows them. <laughs> like, even even if even if they, they started playing later, everybody knows who Pikachu, Charizard, Bulbasaur. Like, we all know these. These guys invented the franchise and they're practically staples of the franchise at this point and to remove them just felt wrong there's definitely the popular ones pikachu's in there eevee's in there of course and now has something like 15 evolutions not sure what happened there um but i didn't actually come across an eevee the whole time i played oh i did and i I came across a couple actually and i i actually used one of them for quite a while but i'm going to take both sides of this argument real quick because one like i can understand that for the first time in 16 years, players that have been with this series did not get to see their Pokemon that they'd been training for that past more than a decade come along with them into the next game. That could be a bit jarring. Yeah, especially because one of the main tenets of this game is you can catch them all and then don't worry, you can move them to the next game. That's always been the promise of Pokemon games. You can always catch all the ones, all the ones from before will be available and then you can always move them on with you. This is the first time they've ever broken that. On the other hand, the type of backlash that this, you know, inflicted upon the developers of this game and the community at large to me was way outsized. Like, listen, 
you can voice your opinion all you want about the way you think a game series is developing or evolving, but death threats against the developers is never an appropriate response. Oh, no. I do understand why people feel so strongly. Again, we're, guys, we're, we're, we're in our 30s. We don't give a shit about Pokemon, but we do, unfortunately, because we loved it when we were 10. And I think a lot of people have that, like, super, like, that holds a super pl- close place in their heart. And when they hear that, you know, their favorite from back when they were 10 years old is is gone and, and they can't play, with, you know, with that Pokemon anymore, that just pisses them off. And I, and I totally get it. Obviously, you can't animate a thousand Pokemon. So that causes problems, too. It is. And there's there's good reasons that they did it for, you know, the, the main reason that was stated by the developer for this decision was, at the end of the day, balance. And that balance is in service of the most hardcore players of these games, right? Like, sometimes you just have to do a calling. They don't use every card that's ever invented in Hearthstone or Magic anymore, either. Like, at some point, there has to be a, a reckoning with all of the baggage of a series of games that have mechanics arching over more than two decades you know for sure i think they could have done a much better job of where they chose to cut also at this point we don't need more pokemon guys don't put out another stupid another 100 (laughs) with the next game focus in on the ones we all care about and and work on the experience i think that's specifically you speaking right now but i you know i think I could see that being the direction they go. I won't necessarily advocate for it because new Pokemon is kind of a lot of the fun. But at the same at the same time, like you know, a bunch of fans with a really kind of rough relationship with this game and not being able to enjoy it because of a very specific decision made by the developers is uh, it's troubling, right? I mean, you know, like I said, death threats are never an appropriate response, but I totally get. I totally get where their feelings are coming from. I think the response is more the problematic thing here, not the feeling. Yeah. As for myself, I kind of enjoyed having the new Pokemon much more than I thought I would. I um, Back when I was 15 or 16, I, I was a purist about it and being like, oh, I'm not going to play a game that doesn't have, that has more than the original 150. Um, but, you know, a lot of the fun I had out of this game was watching the Pokemon evolve. And as much as I like the original guys, I know what they evolve into. You know, I might see a new artwork for it, see a slightly new design, like uh, Onyx can go into Steelix or things like that now. So they change things up. Uh, you know, they have the regional variants as well. But for the most part, I was more. Um, I'd make sure to evolve the new Pokemon over the older Pokemon that I already had a kind of idea where they went. I just want to point out that Steelix was present in, I think, the second generation of Pokemon, really highlighting Josh's unfamiliarity with this series. <laughs> <laughs> Noob. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. All in all, I think a streamlined list of Pokemon makes sense for the mainstream multiplayer, the competitive multiplayer aspect of this game. But I agree, like, there's no reason that you need to apply that to everyone that plays this game. So I guess we're kind of coming down firmly in the, I want the best of all the worlds um, uh, solution <laughs> to this problem. Firmly straddling the middle. Yeah, firmly. I, I mean, they've had a thousand <laughs> developers to make it. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to say, like, I don't want to assume what went into the development of this game. And if them cutting... 400 of these, you know, 900-ish Pokemon allowed these developers to, say, see the birth of their child or not miss, like, you know, a daughter's piano recital because they're crunching on this game for millions of hours in a row. I think I'm okay with that decision. 
For sure, but also guy with $97 billion because you have the one, number one media franchise in the world fucking hire 200 more developers. There we have it. All right. Fuck billionaires. <laughs> I've heard there has been a very extensive and uh, enjoyable competitive scene to this. I'd kind of like to look into that a little bit because the combat system in the single player mode, which is, you know, how most people play it, is kind of a little bit simplistic. Like you go into the uh, you go into the water gym and you bring your grass Pokemon and they wipe the floor. Um, but I'd be willing to see like how humans trying to beat each other and trying to resort to trickery, how they go through this, what Pokemon would be considered strong, and um, what the kind of strategies would be. So a lot of the competitive scene in this game uh, is actually dictated, and speaking as a tourist to this scene here, having just read a bunch about it today because I was curious, uh, a lot of it is dictated by various tiers, right? They base it on sometimes usage, sometimes overall strength of the Pokemon, but the competitive scene is really complex and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because, you know, there's better places to go if you want to hear about the competitive scene of Pokemon than this podcast. But um, suffice to say, there is a mechanically rich environment here and the restrictions that they place on the competitors derives a lot of interesting outcomes in terms of the types of teams you see, the types of moves you see, the types of synergies between the various members of the team you see. So like what would some what would some examples of restrictions be like not being able to swap out Pokemon? That I mean set mode I think uh, yeah so switch for set mode is a big thing I think those are the names of the two basically allowing you to choose a new Pokemon when your uh, opponent is about to send in another is always restricted to uh, you not being able to do that you have to stick with your ch- previous choice. The second thing is they basically outlaw certain Pokemon because of the. Uh, amount of usage they would have. So basically, Mewtwo is not allowed in any tournament because, you know, if it was, he would be a staple of every team, right? So they outlaw, like, the top X percent of used Pokemon, or rather, the top occurrence of used Pokemon, because strength is not always strictly based on the stats. Sometimes it's the type, sometimes it's the moveset, sometimes it's blah blah blah. So there's a lot of thought that goes in this, and I don't know, maybe we just link like a set of rules to the overused tier list of um, Pokemon here, because I'm not qualified to explain it, and I don't want to spend the next 20 minutes trying to do so. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I got you. I like that from a design perspective, like balance that a design thing is, um, if you have an option that's overpowered, everybody goes for that, and I almost see this as like, maybe, oh, this is from someone who hasn't looked into it at all, but the idea of it sounds like the competitive scene, people are doing the balance for the game designers by restricting the available options to them. Yeah, I mean, restricted runs are kind of a a mainstay of how to keep Pokemon interesting, whether it's in a competitive scene or in like, uh, look up a Nuzlocke run. That's an interesting uh, sort of mechanical a restriction that players put on themselves in single player mode to make the you know this relatively simple mechanical game a little more interesting because okay. sometimes it needs it right you're not going to be able to maintain interest of uh, what is admittedly you know a game designed for kids and the newest generation of pokemon fans every single time sounds good we'll put a link to that up on our website 
hell yeah nuzlocke run check it out um and with that why don't we go on to how we would all summarize this game with a three-word review So my three-word review for this game is Reliable Income Stream, because this game is a heavy hitter in media franchises, uh, you know, 96 billion, as we said, um, and it's a it's an enjoyable game. I, had a, I give this game a thumbs up. Uh, there are some things I wish could be different about the combat system or other aspects of the game, but I didn't play this game for the combat system. I played this to fill out my damn Pokedex. And I had a hell of a time doing that, seeing the different evolutions. Lots of quality of life improvements to this game compared to the very first one, so I'm not sure if they're new to this game or just to the past 25 years of game development, but it's doing a great job. Um, they're putting out another franchise, it's making a lot of money, I had a great time playing it. My three-word review is Nostalgia Warmed Over. Uh, like my favorite Pokemon held item, The Leftovers, uh, this game provided a steady stream of sustenance to get me through the game while I played it. A new move, an evolution, a pretty new town or area. But also, like Leftovers, the experience was not as good as the first time. And the more times it's warmed over, the fundamental concepts of this game are less effective with time. There was one time in 96 that this was a novel experience, but now it's a bit tired. In its best moments, this game... Uh, was a road trip game par excellence, but in its worst it was kind of a slog through areas that you've seen a half a dozen times over the course of the past two decades. All in all, it's a thumbs up for me because the novelty of 3D Pokemon was pretty new for me, but I think if I tuned into any game between now and 2008, I would have a much different take. Alright, mine was uh, Didn't Catch Me, so... Uh, this is a, I don't know how to feel about this game, I gotta be honest. So, the game itself, the systems, the UI, the gameplay, this was the best entry they've ever done. The, the 3D spaces they put them in, it was the, it was the prettiest and the best playing game in the series, by far. Uh, but, truly, the omission of the original Pokemon that, that, that I care about really just killed the experience for me. Like, the Pokemon themselves are the heart of the game, right? It's all about catching them and training them and evolving them, and if you don't have an interest in that, the... The story certainly isn't going to catch you. The the eight gyms that you have to defeat aren't going to catch you. And I'm thirty. I'm thirty three now. Like I don't have it in my heart to give a shit about a hundred new Pokemon. I'm a grown ass man. I don't care. But I, what I really would have loved to see is my old friends from childhood in in shining three D glory. And I just didn't get that here. And it kind of just the whole thing fell flat for me because of that. Pokemon Red three D remake. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> Isn't that what, um, Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee? Wasn't that I don't want to talk about it. No, that's fucking other trash that we don't need to get into <laughs> right now. Yeah, we'll leave that for, uh, I don't know, a side quest? Who knows? At any rate, next month's game is The Return of the Oberdin. Uh, it's a mystery on the high seas. This game received just a ton of critical praise when it came out in 2018, and it's been on my list of games to play for far too long. So, join us to unravel the mystery of a ghost ship next month. And for Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care and keep on gaming. The, the funny thing is, is when I started playing the game, um, the first thing I did was went to go see what all the evolutions looked like for the original three. 
And there were some really freaking cool concept arts out there. I'm like, oh man, I hope it looks like that. Like I thought it was it was real. And what actually we got was just <laughs> dog shit in a way from 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 what people like. They could have done so many cool things with these guys, and instead they're just trash, like hot flaming garbage. It pisses me off so bad. Samo really does kind of blow. I, I don't know, dude. Just all the dicks. He just like, <laughs> just. I he evolved the other night. I was just like, "What the fuck?" Undo, undo. <laughs> yeah, he was better as the little twerp. I don't know. It is seriously the first time I've ever wanted to cancel an evolution. It's just so bad. <sighs> but hey, and he turns into a sniper too in his in uh, uh, Gigantamax form. It's oh, it's just there's a lot going on here. Like, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> more is not always better. You know what? That should have been my three-word review. So I, I had uh, no no nostalgia here, which would have uh, war- you know gone right with yours. And then just more isn't better. Like I would take less, shine that shit up, have less of it there, and shine it up. But no. Yeah, there's something to be said for games that like go for reaching for the stars and trying something new and novel over polish. But this game both didn't try anything new and didn't do a particularly good job with the polish. <laughs> so. I guess what it was doing was just adding more of what already existed, and you're right, that's not a recipe for success. Well, we've seen other franchises successfully make transitions, like Mario to 3D Worlds, or uh, Metroid to uh, the Wii version was very well done. I feel like they just haven't done much swinging for the fences with this franchise. Well, they have, and like everybody else, I I meant to bring this up earlier, so... You can't get all, all of your Pokemon in this game now, but they can sell you a Netflix-like subscription service called Pokemon Home now, where you can store them there and pay a monthly subscription to keep them there so that you can move them around. Like, it's just a fucking money grab. Like, this was like a slap in the face to fans, I gotta be honest. That part pissed me off more than anything. Go check it out. Uh, it's called Pokemon Home. It's coming out soon. And it's basically their excuse for why they didn't do with it what they did on this. Clint Jones. So, uh, we're here a couple days after our initial recording of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Clint, I've heard you've recently explored the new Pokemon Home option that has released. Yeah, I'm eating my hat right now. So, turns out many of the complaints I had with Sword and Shield in our podcast the other day were immediately resolved like within 24 hours of us recording they put out Pokemon Home which allowed for uh, you to get your old Pokemon friends back most of them anyway uh, from other sources so I kind of I kind of stalled out on the game because I didn't like any of, of the new characters I guess and uh, once Home came out I was able to move in Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Charmander all my buddies from 1996 and I got a renewed interest in the game, and I gotta be honest, it's I'm having a lot more fun with it now. I, I think it was just I stalled out because I just didn't care about the new Pokemon. Again, I'm 33. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I don't care about 100 new Pokemon, but no, that's fair. And uh, so he, here's a, a quick question. So I guess did you import Pokemon from like an old game, or did you just utilize like existing Pokemon from somewhere else? How did you get your your Pokemon of choice into the Sword and Shield? 
You can do all the above if you've been keeping your game cartridges for years, which I wish I had. I know they're around here somewhere, but I wasn't able to locate them yet. You can move back anything all the way back from the beginning. What I did, though, when you start a Pokemon Home account, which is free for now, um, you get one of the original starter Pokemon. So I signed up for one. I made my wife sign up for one. She was very reluctant to do it, but I'm like, I got to get my Bulbasaur. So just let me do this. And <laughs> I was able to get them all, all the original three and move them over to your game. It's actually pretty seamless. There's a mobile app uh, where you can do trading and things like that. But there's also an app on the Switch itself that makes it really easy to move things from, especially from Sword and Shield, from either the Let's Go games and uh, Pokemon Home. The rest are a little more convoluted, but those three are super easy. Yeah, and I mean that's good. I mean, like at least like the compatibility with recent properties is pretty seamless and pretty easy. Um, I understand it can be a little more convoluted to get stuff like Daisy chained up the the pathway to get into uh, Sword and Shield from say like Pearl, which we were talking about earlier in the the podcast. Um, but you know, Nintendo always has been a little less than super transparent on their internet based offerings. Yeah, it's definitely not their strong suit. But again, so this was just my take on the game. Like, mechanically, I think I, I said that this game is mechanically uh, one of the best, if not the best, game in the series. But for me, again, as a full-grown adult here, what I was really hoping for wasn't a new Pokemon game because I don't really care that much about Pokemon at all at this point in my life. But I thought it'd be a nice you know, little nostalgic trip to back where I was, you know, when I was 10 years old, because that game was huge for me when I was 10. So not having any of the Pokemon I recognized from way back then really kind of killed it for me. But now that I do have that option, it was a lot more fun, and I got a renewed interest in it. So I'd say for anybody that's stalling out on that game, because of that reason, give give this a shot again. I mean, it, it definitely changed it for me. And it gives you the golden opportunity to replace your Sobble with a Squirtle. Yeah, fuck Sobble. And I think that says it all. Fuck Sobble. Take care. And catch them all. Go Squirtle. <laughs>